from Elizabeth Johnson and Augustine of Hippo. Pursuing the idea that the cosmos teaches us about its maker, some theologians took to calling nature a book, analogous to scripture. God gave us both books of revelation, and we must learn to read both well in order to glimpse their author. Augustine exhorted his people vigorously with this metaphor. Others, in order to find God, will read a book. Well, as a matter of fact, there is a certain great big book, the book of created nature. Look at it carefully, top and bottom. Observe it. Read it. God did not make letters of ink for you to recognize God in. God set before your eyes all these things God has made. Why look for a louder voice? Heaven and earth cry out to you. God made me. You can read what Moses wrote. In order to write it, what did Moses read? A man living in time? Observe heaven and earth in a religious spirit. Hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. medley of Job and Genesis. Then Job answered the hackneyed solutions of his friends, but ask the beasts and they will teach you, the birds of the air and they will tell you, 
or the plants of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Creator has done this? In the Creator's hands is the life of every living thing and the breath of us all. Then God answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I will question you, and you shall declare to me, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the measuring line upon it? Or what, or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the children of God shouted for joy. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that God created, and behold, it was very good. Jenna, I've had the gift during your years here of witnessing you finding your voice, your identity, and your call as a Christian minister. A call to receive life in abundance. A call to leadership as a service. A call to speak forth from the gifts of deep listening. Just before the service, I mentioned to Jenna, I feel like I'm your godmother. <laughs> she said, you are. <laughs> and then she took it one step better. She said, you are my fairy godmother. Thank you, Jenna, for ministering to me words of life. Please reverence that you are Jenna first. You are made to receive and share life. May that be the flow of your ministry among us. Keep reading the signs and sources of life and death Choose life. Creation is our journey with God. We move through the ongoing rebirthing of metanoia. You know by now that's my favorite word. Metanoia. Into a life of agape. Our ways of knowing get activated. Our hearts open, and we are invited to the agape of an ever bigger table of fellowship. Metanoia opens us with a new mind. Paranoia 
shuts us down by taking us out of our mind. Metanoia opens us to deeper questions. Paranoia has us answer our own questions, often before knowing, hearing, or articulating the questions. There's the story of a holy old nun on her deathbed. In the traditional way, her community kept vigil constantly around her bed. As they saw death coming closer, the attending sisters bent close to her ear and asked, Sister, what's the answer? She opened her eyes a little bit and said her final words, What's the question? <laughs> Job's friends find it hard to listen deeply, so they dismiss him with judgments and try to close the case with merely theoretical solutions, with answers that can't bear hearing the questions. Sometimes our religion malforms us with easy, pat answers that are ways to avoid the deeper questions. Over the years, I've been making a list of some of these, the ones I've been fed or the ones I've heard. Tell me if you have others so I can keep growing my list. Jenna, here are some examples of how to be like Job's friends. <laughs> I trust you won't use them. God will get you for that. Parents threatening their children rather than simply operating out of their own authority. God won't give you more than you can handle. I hate that one. <laughs> I really hate it. The translation is, don't burden me with your problems. In fact, we do encounter more than we can handle on our own. And that is the point of conversion, community, and recovery. Christians don't cry. Some of us in this room are old enough to remember the death of John F. Kennedy. I remember hearing the adults saying, oh, Jackie is holding up so well. Oh, I call that the Jackie Kennedy syndrome. We're not allowed to cry. And asking the one crying, where is your faith? Well, I suggest asking the asker, where is your heart? Feelings are bad or not important. Get over it. This results in what I call the aborted grief of the lethal plastic-faced smile syndrome. We're taught to cover it up. And this is a dangerous one that Christians are particularly prone to. Charity is giving whatever people ask for. 
and a parallel misfortune, forgiveness means pretending that no harm was done. It makes us sick. Or really having faith means being able to do anything one wishes, even to the point of controlling God and creation. If you only had enough faith. You mustn't be sad. Your dear one has gone on to a better place. That can be a pious Christian denial. The joyless, frustrated grief of jumping to the resurrection without the work of the cross. Let's keep going past those pat answers. Observe, listen, respond with tenderness. I recently found this quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. When we look into the heart of a flower, we see clouds, sunshine, minerals, time, the earth, and everything else in the cosmos in it. Without clouds, there would be no rain, and there would be no flower. Without time, the flower could not bloom. In fact, the flower is made entirely of non-flower elements. It has no independent, individual existence. It inter-is. It inter-is with everything else in the universe. Let us look with tenderness at what seems most evident to discover the depths of connection. All things are connected. Even our isolation and alienation are connected to history, personalities, social attitudes, and systems. One day, in the long ago times, while I was working at a, as a flight attendant, I was in the Denver airport. The weather in Denver. A noontime thunderstorm shut down the terminal. All flights were delayed. The ground crew needed to take cover. Amid the noontime thunder-clapping darkness, an angry voice arose out of a teapot tempest above the noise of the natural tempest. Someone was banging on the podium, yelling at the gate agent, tell me the real reason for my delay. <laughs> the person did not seem able to look deeply at what was evident around them. I imagine God answering them from the book of Job. Then God answered the person out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And who is this stupid person? 
Your fellow creatures know the re real reason. Ask the clouds. Ask the lightning and thunder. Ask the birds that are taking shelter. Observe the plants and trees bending and bowing in their dance with the wind. Love is not merited. Rather, God creates us deserving of love. Jenna, we call you to receive the love you deserve and to be a channel of that love for us. We are here to celebrate the choice that Seventh Avenue Presbyterian Church has made to call you as our pastor in this place and time in creation in our journey with God. What are our questions? What are our needs and hopes? Calling Jenna is one of our choices for moving forward as part of creation, as part of the body of Christ. Jenna has responded with a depth of continuity in her history here. How might it also be a pivot point in your life? And a pivot point in the life of Seventh Avenue Presbyterian Church. Job is a pivot point in our wondering about who we are, what our lives are about, and who what is God in all of this? Job teaches us that the hackneyed, easy answers don't ring true. How do we keep moving forward with the depth of our questions and not stop the journey with easy answers? I love St. Augustine's bit of humor when he recognizes that Moses did not have any written books to refer to when he was writing his book. There was nothing written with ink in human hands for him to pick up. The book he did have was God's revelation in the work of creation. Heaven and earth cry out to us, God made me. Job continues the message. Ask your fellow creatures and they will teach you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Creator has done this? In the Creator's hands is the life of every living thing and the breath of us all. Meanwhile, back at another airport, I heard another angry person. They were yelling at the poor gate agent again. They kept pushing to the front of the line, insisting on getting a better seat assignment. The gate agent kept asking them politely, please return to your place in line and I will attend to you when it's your turn. The potential passenger finally forced their way again up to the podium and put his, their face, I wasn't gonna use his, put their face in the face of the agent and started yelling, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? The gate agent picked up 
their microphone. Ladies and gentlemen in the gate area, we need help. There's a person in front of me at the podium who is very upset because they do not know who they are. If anyone knows them or can be of help, please come to the podium. Well, we all need help. Not so much to impose ourselves, but to discover ourselves. My patron saint, Francis of Assisi, had a long and painful beginning to his conversion. He spent months returning to the crypt of a crumbling church, praying before a Byzantine icon of Jesus on the cross. His repeated prayer was, Who are you, Jesus? And who am I? Eventually, he had the pivotal encounter with a person suffering leprosy. Francis abhorred leprosy and its effects. He never approached anyone suffering from the disease. But this day, he got off his horse and embraced the suffering person. That person became for Francis the clarifying light of Christ. Love is not merited but God creates us deserving of love. Jenna and all of us, let us receive and share that love that we deserve as part of God's creation. It will help us avoid the detours toward burnout. God no longer asks for burnt offerings.
The Presbytery of San Francisco, by means of this commission, welcomes the Reverend Jenna Myers as a minister of word and sacrament and installs her as pastor of Seventh Avenue Presbyterian Church. Friends, let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for your steadfast faithfulness to us. In every age, you have called forth leaders to serve you and equip them with your gifts. Among your people, Israel, you anointed prophets, priests, and rulers. You called pastors and teachers, bishops, elders, and deacons to build up your church. With Moses, the 70 elders bore the burdens of your people, ministering in the power of your spirit. Alongside the apostles, deacons cared for all in need and guarded the community's peace. In the church, deacons, elders, and pastors served together so that your whole people might be equipped for ministry and built up into the full unity of Christ. For your servants in every age, O God, and for the church of Jesus Christ, we give you all thanks and praise. O gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit on Jenna, that she may be your faithful minister in this church. By your Holy Spirit, give her all the gifts and graces needed to proclaim the truth of the gospel in love, to administer the sacraments of Christ, and to shepherd the people of God in common service and witness to the world. Sustain her with your strength that she may faithfully announce the good news in every season. Let your wisdom, O God, find voice in her words, and let the compassion of Christ be the work of her hands. Give her joy in the walk of faith and a sure sense of your abiding presence for the work of ministry. Gracious God, through your waters of baptism, you have claimed us as your own and called us to share in Christ's ministry. So pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us, that we may discern the gifts you have given, calling them forth from one another, and together use these gifts for the good of all. In obedience to Christ and in the uni unity of Christ's spirit, may we proclaim good news, make disciples, be light and leaven, share our bread, offer a cold cup of water, and wash one another's feet. Make us strong in Christ to live as your people and show forth your saving love in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jenna, as a minister of word and sacrament in the Church of Jesus Christ, you are now installed as pastor of this congregation. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the Christ. Amen. Congratulations. <laughs> I get to give the charge. Somehow we pastors get it into our heads that to shepherd a congregation, we have to be more than the human beings that we are. We have to have gifts and skills beyond our own. We have to have ready insights for every church crisis. We have to have answers for every question that comes to us, whether it's about candles in the sanctuary or systemic racism. 
answers for the parishioner who has just revealed to us the heartbreaking story she has told to no one else. We are not up for all that's required of us. We aren't wise like Eugene Peterson or articulate like Barbara Brown Taylor. We just are who we are, pretty much always standing in that difficult place where the needs and expectations of our congregations are so much greater than our capacity to meet them. If we are honest, we pastors never feel like we're enough. But friends, here's a secret. That lack is the starting place for every person who has ever been called by God. It's not a mistake. It's by design. Whether we're talking about Abraham or Sarah or the prophet Jeremiah or Mary, the mother of our Lord, whether we're talking about the Apostle Paul or Dorothy Day or Jenna Myers, there's an unmistakable, powerful quality in everyone willing to avail themselves and their ordinary humanity to the worthy call of God. Jenna, you are called by God to lead this congregation out of who you are. Please don't be anyone else. Please honor the unique gift that is your particular journey of faith. Lead this congregation out of your own relationship with Jesus Christ, bringing the questions and longings that stretch your faith and will also stretch theirs. Serve this people not just out of what you know and have confidence in, but out of what you don't know and wonder about. Welcome the risk that is part of growth. Honor the past without being hostage to it. Make room for the new dreams the Spirit gives you for this church, which are, yes, beyond what you can do, but which are not beyond what God can do through you. Pastor Jenna, offer with love your beautiful gifts to this church. Your delight in all the luscious details of God's creation, which invites us to love this good world. Your winsome preaching and beautifully tended liturgies. The open spirit with which you nurture collaboration and partnership in ministry the deep listening you engage in as you tend both to Holy Scripture and to the holy in us. The pastoring you do when no one is watching, as you walk with this people through thick and thin, praying all the way for Christ to be formed in us. Jenna, keep offering your tender heart to this church. We all know God's heart better because you are our pastor. Beloved daughter of God, this is your calling, and here is your flock. May the God who called you lavish upon you in full measure everything you need to be faithful. Amen. Send by my God and I, my hands are ready.
7th Avenue Church, I stand before you today as a member of the Committee on Ministry for the Presbytery of San Francisco, your, one of your parish associates, and a longtime friend. And so it is my privilege and honor to give you this charge. Today, as we gather to mark and celebrate a new step in the joint journey of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church and Jenna Myers, this is a journey that began with an internship and just kept on going. Over the years that you have traveled together, you have both grown and changed, always being mindful of God's leading in your lives, individually and corporately. As you take this step into the next portion of your lives together, I want to charge you, church, with five actions to help the travels to go as smoothly as possible. Notice it didn't just say smoothly. There will be bumps. First, I charge you to embody God's love to Jenna even as she endeavors to embody God's love to you. Always remember that she is a beloved child of God and seek ways to affirm that reality to her and to yourselves. Look for ways to be God's hands and feet in the world as you engage in ministry together, striving to see Jenna through the eyes of God as you do so. Next, I charge you to nurture Jenna's growth both in her relationship to you as your pastor as well as to God. 
Make this a ministry of mutuality as you seek to grow in your own faith and to make God's beloved realm a reality in our world today. Lift Jenna up when she is down. Offer a helping hand when the load gets too heavy. Be aware of her needs as a person, not only seeing her in her role as pastor. Following on that, I charge you to join in ministry with Jenna. Find ways to be of service alongside her, not thinking that she as the pastor needs to do it all on her own. Notice the spirit drawing you together to enrich and enliven your faith, life, and service. Understand that God made us to be in relationship with one another, working together to show God's love to the world. Next, I charge you to open yourself to the movement of the spirit. Sometimes spirit will call you to activities and ways of being that feel familiar or comfortable, but many times spirit will challenge you in your life together. Be prepared to say yes to these challenges and look for ways to grow together as a community through them. Look for the surprising ways that spirit shows up in your communal life and the transformation that spirit offers. Finally, I charge you to yearn for God's will to be evident in your lives together. Always endeavor to keep God's will and God's love central in your lives, individually and communally. Seek ways to act from that center so that all that you do brings glory to God. When you do these five things, embody, nurture, join, open, and yearn, you will enjoy your life together in God. May God richly bless you all in your continuing life together. Amen.
grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be loved, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Amen.